Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. How do we know what we think we know? On what are our beliefs based? Can we intelligently decide what to believe and what not to believe? Hello there, and welcome to the 219th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those thought-provoking questions from my, came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Pretty good. We invite skeptics on the show all the time, but few agree to join us. We're very pleased this evening to welcome a notable exception to that, Bobby Nelson. How you doing? Good. Uh, Not too bad. Uh, Bobby Nelson is a skeptic, a writer, and a co-host of Strange Frequencies Radio. His personal blog can be found at www.porkrine.com. Now, at one, t- at one time, Bobby was what we would call a true believer in the paranormal. He actively investigated the paranormal for 12 years with several different Toledo, Ohio-based teams. Uh, he has examined countless claims of activity. But over the years, he became a confirmed skeptic. A look at the supposedly more rigorous field of parapsychology brought Bobby under the wing of the legendary Dr. William Roll, but to no avail. Again, I'll give his uh, blog site there, porkrine.com, P-O-R-K-R-H-I-N-E.com, or www.strangefrequenciesradio.net. Bobby Nelson, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Okay, well, Bobby, before we start, I have to say that most of the skeptics we run into are straw experts. You know, they hurl down thunderbolts from their armchairs while very few of them actually get out and research the paranormal. You certainly seem to be an exception to that. You've been out in the field, you've done the work, thought for yourself, made your own decision, and we respect that a lot. Yes. So I just wanted to say that before we begin our discussion. And Ben is going to start us off. Okay, so, Bobby... Just go ahead and tell us your story, and um, what did you do in the paranormal field, and how did you become a skeptic? Sure. Um, well, first, I uh, got my, I guess I, I have had a long, uh, a lifelong interest in the paranormal, uh, having my first experience around the age of five in my, uh, my parents' old house. Uh, uh, I was laying in bed, and my hand was hanging off the bed, and I felt something grab my hand, and a voice say, here, take this. Um, it actually impacted me so much that for 20 years, I did not sleep in that bedroom. I slept on the couch until I moved out and, and got my own house. Um, but through that, um, I didn't know a lot of things uh, that I know now, which could have caused uh, that type of um, experience. But I've had, um, I, yeah, I, I remember when I got my first EVP, I thought it was magnificent. Um, that fed my, my belief uh, in the paranormal um, and made it much more strong um, uh, to the point where I started making uh, teams where we went and investigated houses. Um, then the TV show Ghost Hunters came out, uh, and you thought, wow, these guys are doing the same exact thing I'm doing. Um, so I was a big fan of that until about season three. Um, I was asked to do a series of documentaries uh, that never, ever got released, but the very first one, we only shot one, and the very first one was about uh, Ouija boards and uh, seances and things like that. And that's actually where, um, my, uh, where my skepticism finally came in because I started seeing things. Um, what, what they would do is they would have a, a, a ghost hunting group and then they would have like, people that we didn't know uh, and we would be watching them 
get their readings, and I was able to start seeing, okay, this is what they're starting to do here, and this is, and, and I, so that that just led me to believe in, uh, okay, well, this maybe the psychic's fake, but that just it just made me it just made me start questioning more to the point where I finally said, you know, I don't think there's anything to this at all, and that's where I started looking more into the to the skepticism of things. Um, and that's pretty much how I became a skeptic. Uh, I had to say the story sort of fast, but uh, but as you said, when you read that, I I, I used to be taught with uh, Dr. William Rowe. Um, the way that got uh, brought upon was um, when I first started questioning the paranormal. I still didn't want to give up my whole hope that the paranormal was. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to say the word fake, but I, I didn't think it was real. So I, I tried to go into where I thought the science was taking it, and that was parapsychology. And um, I went in to talk to you know people like Dr. William Rowe, and Dr. William Rowe offered to. Uh, mentor me. Um, unfortunately, that didn't last too long. It lasted maybe about eight months before I just realized in my own thought. I, I just thought, no, there, I don't think there's anything to this whatsoever. Hmm. Okay. I, well, our next question was, how did you meet? Well, yeah. So now let's just skip that and say and go on to. Uh, so you've lab tested uh, several gadgets, and they're very popular with the uh, paranormal enthusiasts, if you will, like bird enthusiasts or <laughs> motorcycle enthusiasts, like ghost boxes and Ouija boards. What happened with that? Well, that's 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 my favorite uh, my favorite topic actually is the ghost box. The ghost box. A lot of people they they think that they're talking to. First of all, we have to realize what we're doing here is we're we're taking a radio, and we are in a sense breaking this radio. We are we are we are using a broken radio that's just scanning back and forth, back and forth, to talk to dead people or, or spirits or entities or whatever you want to call them. So what we would do is, uh, and I'm sure many people listening know what the ghost box is. Uh, people can make their own with their little Radio Shack hacks. And um, so uh, the first guy that we did it with, uh, we were testing it with uh, a guy named Steve Hill, who claims to be uh, an electronic medium, who claims to have gotten these amazing results. So. First thing that he did is he sends me this uh, audio file. He sends me an audio file that says, uh, can you say my name? And it says Steve Hill. So, very easy way to test this. You cut out what, what you, at the end of him saying, uh, yeah, my name is Steve Hill, thank you, and turning the box off. You cut that off, you hear somebody say, can you tell me my name? And you hear somebody say, uh, you hear this radio supposedly say this name. So what you do is very simple. You take it to 50 different people, which I did, people that had no interest in the paranormal field, uh, and I said, uh, with a with a logical thinking, if it's saying Steve Hill, fifty people should hear Steve Hill. Um, out of those fifty people, not one of them heard Steve Hill. So th- that that's just my point, and I don't and I don't think many people actually had heard the same thing another person was hearing. So how can we say that this is legit? Um, I did the same thing live uh, one time with a with a ghost box uh, enthusiast by the name um, oh my gosh his name slipping uh, Jeff Resmond. Uh, Jeff Resmond is another big proponent of uh, Joe's boxes and, and different types of ghost boxes. Uh, we did this live uh, in front of everybody. It was very, it was very easy test. Uh, I got a deck of Wiener cards, and I sat in the back with one person to make sure that I wasn't lying, um, where only we could see the shape on the card, uh, because I have a thought that the box can't tell you information that you don't already possess. For instance, uh, he gave the he tried to do an example by saying, um, "What color are the walls?" Well, everybody in the room knew that the walls were green, so everybody's going to listen for green. You're going to prime yourself uh, subconsciously to listen for the word green. Sure enough, certain people heard green. I didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he said, what color is this fellow's jacket right next to me? Everybody in the room could see this guy's jacket was a tan color, so everybody's listening for tan or, or, or like a light brown or something like that. Uh, so I said, well, this is very easy. So um, what I did is I took the cards, 
Um, he agreed to do the test. Um, we only got through about 10 of them, but before the test started, what I did is I announced out loud to the spirits listening that the only five shapes you're allowed to call out are um, the wavy lines, the plus sign, the star, the circle, and the square. Those are the only five, those are the only five uh, shapes you're allowed to call out. Then uh, we started the test. Out of the ten, the box got none. It started saying things like angel and, and things like that. Okay, but uh, they tried to uh, use the excuse, well, you have to be specific. I don't know how much more specific I could be by telling the spirit the five shapes that you can you know, use. Um, I've, done, I've done other tests uh, independent of that. Uh, I've had friends come over and hide keys somewhere where I couldn't see, and I wanted the box to tell me where the keys were hidden. Um, I've had uh, people with other boxes, and we've tried to have a communication like uh, what color shirt am I wearing uh, or what color uh, shirt is my friend in California wearing who's using the same box. And we've never, ever gotten a positive result. Um, I also like the, the, the thought that if scanning radio stations could, you know, in a sense make you speak to the dead, we should be able to go into our cars and hit seek. Seek should let us be uh, sitting in our cars and, and speaking to the dead. Yeah, you um, Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, these tools that people are, are using, um, I think with something called subjective validation, uh, or they're using something called the forer effect, they're just, they're, they're, they think that they're hearing something, and it makes sense to them. Um, uh, well, Ghost Hunters, uh, the show that I hate the most in the entire world, yes. use a term, they use a term called matrixing, um, which is in a sense, uh, which is what, you know, people, skeptics call it paradelia. It's audio paradelia. What we're doing is we're, we're pattern-seeking animals. So what we're doing is we're hearing these things, and we, we're, we're trying to make this connection uh, in our minds by ourselves. So we hear something that sounds like something, and okay, then that's it. I mean, um, for, you can do it with anything. I mean, you look into the clouds, you can see Abraham Lincoln. Uh, so it can work with audio as well. So that, that's, where I, that's where I stand with, with the ghost box. I mean, um, but that's not to say that I could, be, I could be the one that's wrong. I, I very well could be. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm not sitting here... Uh, that's so a, that, we, we always say that you know we we have our own point of view. We freely admit we could be wrong. I think that, that that's something that's you have definitely. to keep in mind. You know, just uh, Ben's got another question, but I wanted to make a point when it comes to uh, these ghost boxes or EVPs in general. And we had uh, someone on. I'm not going to say his name, but he was uh, considered an eminent expert in this field, and he uh, was developing. He's done a lot of testing of of these EVPs, and he says they essentially come in on the AM frequency. So we had a long conversation on that. I said at the end, uh, does that mean the guy on the other side has an AM transmitter? I mean, what? It, and yeah, I, right. didn't, I didn't get an answer, you know. And um, I, and also, just before, not to monopolize the conversation, but just on the issue of of our our, our brains, we are we are creatures who seek patterns. You're absolutely right. We apply the same thing to photography. Really, and I have professional photographic training in the military. I kind of know what I'm looking at, you know. And uh, the example I always use is, I remember, I think it's on our talking points page somewhere. There's a patch of ice on the sidewalk here in Rhode Island. Someone came running to me and said, "Oh, look at this!" And it's just a patch of ice. But if you look at it, you could, it was around Christmas time. You could see the sack of toys, the hand up in the air, the fat belly with Santa Claus, right? <laughs> so I mean, so I mean, we, we do assemble things. That we can understand. Our, our minds put together patterns, just as you say. So just, just to uh, uh, agree with you on that point, uh, Ben, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Well, oh, well, we're basically coming up on a, on a break really soon, but I'll just pop this question in there really quick. So um, what about Ouija boards? What have you found about Ouija boards? Ouija boards are, are, are fascinating to me because uh, up till recently, actually, I sort of played, uh, I guess what people could call Pascal's wager, but sort of in the Ouija board sense, like uh 
uh, for those that don't know what Pascal's wager is, it's uh, when you play that thing with God, like it's better to believe in God and be right than it is to believe in God and be wrong, <laughs> or not believe in God and be wrong. Yeah. So I sort of did that with Ouija boards. I would, you know, okay, well, maybe there's nothing to it, but I don't want to touch it just in case. Well, the thing that's funny about Ouija boards is that all the information, again, goes out the window when you blindfold somebody, uh, when you uh, turn the Ouija board upside down and, and the person's not, you know, somebody's had their, somebody has something blindfolded and the thing starts with the planchette starts moving. Um, but um, I, I, I did a, a series of tests with a, a couple different psychics where we would, um, I would ask uh, if the psychic could have, uh, you know, my aunt come through, for instance. Uh, and she said, yes, she's here with us right now. Um, and then I would say something like, well, can you have my aunt tell me exactly what she died from? Well, surprisingly, the board couldn't do it. Um, but that could also just argue, well, the psychic wasn't a real psychic. Um, but there's something called the idiomotor effect. Uh, the idiomotor effect works for things uh, such as pendulums, such as um, uh, dowsing rods, uh, and the Ouija board. And it's uh, just subtle movements in your hand that can make things move, and, and you, you actually can move things and sort of psych yourself out that you're not really moving it. Um, but again, just like the ghost box, the Ouija board cannot tell you information you don't already possess. For instance, if you could, anybody can try this. Somebody, somebody can hide a set of keys somewhere, and you guys can have a Ouija board session, and you guys can ask the Ouija board where the keys are. You won't ever find the keys because you don't know where those keys are hid. Um, another thing that people don't really understand, I, this is one thing that logically doesn't set with me. Okay, so I don't understand why a Ouija board, talking to a, a, a board or talking to some uh, cardboard or wood uh, is, is a doorway to, to possession and things, but going into a house with an audio recorder, talking to spirits and trying to obtain their voices on a, on a recorder, is it's the same thing. It's like a modern-day Ouija board. You're asking questions and hoping you're getting a response. Um, but ex like I said before, I mean, blindfold somebody once when they're doing a Ouija board session, you'll just get gibberish. Uh, Actually, so, I've tried that in the, in the, the distant past, yeah. But uh, no, no, um, I thought the, the results were ambiguous at best. So in a sense, yes. Uh, we've got a minute to a break. But, uh, yeah, let me just comment. I, I think uh, you're really um, thinking clearly here on a lot of matters, uh, but maybe, and we'll get into this in, in the next section, uh, in my opinion or our opinion, you might not be thinking farther enough, you know, far enough along to other possibilities. But we'll, as I say, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. And sure. uh, we, we wanted also to talk about when we come back, skepticism, open-mindedness, nature of knowledge, how we know what we know. Um, now, may I ask, what, what, is your, what is your background? Do you have a... I mean, what do you... Are, are you... Have you, have you undertaken scientific training to No, actually, I'm not, a scientist I'm not a scientist whatsoever. Uh, I, I, never, I never try to make a claim uh, to that. No, I'm neither. Just, uh, are, so, yeah. yeah, I never, I, I'm just a regular guy. I, I have a regular job, and uh, I just love the paranormal. Well, you certainly think clearly. Okay. All right, well, let's, um, Ben, why don't you pose your question? We'll think about it over the break. Right, okay, so, um, did you encounter anything in your work that could have been real paranormal phenomena? I mean, yes or no will suffice for now, and then we can get back to it. Right? Yeah. Do you, you want me to answer that now? Yeah, if you could. Yeah, sort of a simple oh, answer. Well, just we'll kidding. Oh, well, no, just kidding. We've got to wrap. Anyway, we've got to break here behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, with our guest, Bobby Nelson. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call me 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we are back on Behind the Paranormal with our guest Bobby Nelson, ghost hunter turned skeptic. And Ben, why don't you why don't you pose that question again in case anybody? Okay, so um did you encounter anything in your work that could have been real paranormal phenomena? Um yeah, I would like to say that I, 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 I won't lie and say that I've never had a, an unexplainable uh, experience. But I also don't like to go around talking like that. Uh, here, here's an example. Um, this is something that really uh, gets me upset about the paranormal community. Sometimes I think people feel that they have an obligation, that they have to give an answer even if it's premature. Um, what I mean is that they may experience something and they may think of like two or three rational explanations Say that they, they, they've exhausted all their rational explanations, therefore it's paranormal. Uh, I'm very comfortable with just saying, I don't know what that was. I, I, I have no idea. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's something that people in the paranormal are afraid to admit. Um, for instance, there was a time when um, I was doing an investigation, and I, and I swear I saw what looked like an apparition lean out from somebody. Uh, somebody was sitting in a chair, and this, I was, uh, mind you, we're in the dark. Um, and I seen what looked like somebody sitting behind uh, this person lean out, look around, lean back, and was gone. Um, I don't know what it was, but I don't know it was a ghost either. And uh, I always like this quote that um, Adam Savage said from uh, the TV show Mythbusters. He said that, excuse me, he said in results to um, 
uh, to paranormal uh, explanations that people like to use up the first uh, maybe three or four easiest explanations, figure that they can't figure it out, and they jump to the most complicated explanation by saying well, it's something that defies physics. And, and, and I, mean, I, I believe that that's true 100%. Um, but people, uh, the brain is a very easy thing to deceive. And, and people don't realize that. And uh, one time, uh, somebody had a call-in on our show, Strange Frequencies, and they said, uh, well, what do you do? Or what's your advice uh, when uh, somebody says that they've used all their rash- they, they've exhausted all rational explanations? And I, and I truly believe what we said is, was um, find more rational explanations. Um, I, I think it's very arrogant for somebody to sit here and think that they've exhausted everything when we don't know everything. And that can, then again, that can fall on me. I mean, I could be the one that's wrong. I always, I always like to make that clear. I, I've never made the claim that the paranormal doesn't exist. I just don't think that there's any sufficient evidence out there that supports the paranormal. Well, that, that's well put because we we always say the same thing. We have a very we believe in the paranormal, and we have we have yeah. all sorts of explanations for it. I have forty years of experience behind me that I believe convinces me, particularly gashes in the leg from poltergeist things that have been thrown, stuff like that. You know, they're, they're really, I was there and skeptics were not and, and uh, other people saw, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, the listeners all are very familiar with my arguments. However, I respect what you say because um, I think that you are a clear-thinking person. So let me ask you this. What constitutes a rational explanation? I mean, let, let, let me let me just give a little background on that in the sense that just because there are a lot of people out there, you know, bumbling around who really don't know what they're doing, who are drunk with technology and have no idea what that means, uh, doesn't. And I'm sure you, you agree. Doesn't necessarily mean that the paranormal does not exist. But but what what in your mind constitutes a rational explanation? It's a very good question. It's actually a question I've never been asked before. What constitutes a rational explanation? I would say something that would constitute a rational explanation would be something that doesn't involve the supernatural. Um, uh, anything can be a rational explanation, but what I find is that people like to, they like to pick and choose what they want. For instance, if somebody came up to me with an EVP and I wasn't there, uh, you, just, you just said something like, uh, I don't, what I don't like to do is I don't like to try and find a rational explanation for a case I wasn't there at. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? So, I hear you, like, yeah. Yep. For instance, like you just said, that uh, you may have seen like a poltergeist. You may have seen somebody get a chunk bitten out of the leg. I don't want to comment on a case that that I wasn't there to to see because I think that can be just as ignorant, or, 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 yeah, or arrogant of myself to think that I can supply an answer with something that I wasn't I wasn't even present at. Mm, yeah. Um, but with me, I come from a school of thinking that if I can just find one rational explanation that isn't paranormal that can explain the cause, that can explain what's happening, then. That, that defeats any paranormal explanation. I mean, if we just look at Occam's razor, which says, you know, if there's more than one uh, explanation to an occurrence, uh, choose the easiest one. And almost any other explanation that's rational, that, I mean, that, would, that would fall, that, that could possibly explain it, uh, that could possibly explain uh, what's happening, any rational explanation is, is more valid than a paranormal one. Well, I never thought Occam's razor was quite good enough. Let me tell you what I'm getting at. Um, maybe it's because I, my degree is in philosophy, and I got into this stuff, and very few people study philosophy or study how to think or anything. And when you look, and people are, when I have professors on this show, very often, and people with PhDs, they'll throw 
Rene Descartes at me. Descartes is the guy, as you know, who said, I think, therefore I am. That's where his epistemology, where, where his, how we know what we know started, and his mathematics. Well, actually, yeah. Plato. Well, Plato, too, but, but, but Plato didn't speak French. Uh, Descartes did, you know, je pense, don't, je pense donc je suis, there, I think, therefore I am. But at the end of his life, as we hinted before, like Aquinas and like Augustine and like many great thinkers, theological and otherwise, he said, that's not good enough. Even that isn't good enough. Even Japan's pense donc je isn't good enough. And I, I question how we know what we know. I question skepticism just as much as I question superstition. You know, and Ben does too, I should say we. Yeah. So what I'm asking is, you know, where do we begin, where do we begin to question anything? Where do we begin to define a rational explanation? Where do we, where do we begin to define or not to define, to believe in or not to believe in, not to sound Shakespearean here, the quote-unquote supernatural? I think that very often the words themselves will inspire disbelief. Supernatural. It's not good enough to describe this phenomenon. That's not even a good enough word. It's more like a part of nature, but everyone just seems to look at it as it doesn't belong in our world. Well, in other words, this is something that we believe is outside of the very limited scope of Western science. Yes. Western thinking takes things apart. It doesn't put them together. Uh, the scientific method is based on, the, on a number of different assumptions that really cannot be supported anymore, in our opinion, particularly in the light of quantum mechanics. Um, so see, see what we're getting at here. I'm asking the question here is, what is your structure of knowledge? What is your belief system? Do you believe in the old uh, scientific materialist approach to things, uh, which you really have to if you're going to accept the scientific method as the be-all and end-all of knowledge? Or On what do you base... What you know. How do you know what you know? How do I know what I know? Wow, this is a tough, tough question. Um, yes, uh, uh, to answer your question, yes, I do base a lot of my, my thought process on, on things like the scientific method. However, I guess I could be a bit, uh, I could fall into a bit uh, of, of, of being a hypocrite by saying that uh, I'm not an atheist. Uh, I do have a belief in the supernatural, surprisingly. Uh, so, so, so uh, we all have our, we all have our, I guess our, um, our, 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 our magic, magic thinking. I guess is what people could call it. Uh, um, but how do I know what I know? Uh, that is a tough question, and uh, and you know I can't answer that question because I have no idea how I know what I know. Well, neither um, do we. So you know, it's, it's it's another honest answer from a very honest guest. Yeah, instead of just like BSing your way out of it, you did a very good job. Yeah, I really really respect that. Because essentially, the unofficial, well, I guess the official motto of this show is everything you know is wrong. Simply because we don't know how we know it. Right. Uh, in the end, what, what we try and do is bring in, I always suggest a little bit of humility, something, the H word, something you don't hear very much of in the modern world. And you bring in a little humility and you, you unite your heart with your mind as our remote ancestors kind of taught us to do. See, I don't think our ancestors are a bunch of uneducated fools, which is often the implication. Sometimes, you know, I think that they yeah, were. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I, I, yeah. yeah, they were very intelligent. Well, the thing is, too, that you have not only that, you have a lot of uh, spiritual wisdom from people who are close to the earth. You know, and, and we're not. And, and we're, we're the one. To, see, to me, the burden of proof has to be on 
the, the skeptics, really, because there was a cloud of witnesses from, you know, millennia in the past, at least in the last ice age, saying that, that the paranormal in some form, something beyond the material, something that operates on a different paradigm, is there and is closer to us than we are to ourselves, not just there. It's, it's intimately there. Hence so, behind the paranormal. Hence behind the paranormal. So, so that's where we're coming from. So we agree with you 100% on many of your points, but I think it needs to go, personally, I think it needs to go much farther into the other side of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, and to look at it from the perspective of somebody who's not coming out of the Western mind, somebody who's not limited by the scientific method, which I think has to be rewritten. So uh, we're almost coming down to another break, but what say you? I actually uh, agree with a lot of what you said, except I totally disagree with the burden of proof being on the skeptic. I think that the burden of proof is the one that's making the extraordinary claim. Um, oh, yeah. No, no, that... I, 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 I'll have to explain the context of that. But I, I agree with you. I, th- I think I agree with, with the point of view you're taking on that. But, see, what, what I'm saying is that the, every, we're, we're the society that is, we're, we're the freaks of human history, spirituality, and philosophy. We're the only ones who don't believe this, you know, with, with some exceptions in, in, in the past. And I mean, I think, and that, that deserves some respect. But we'll talk about that when we come back. We have to, uh, take another break now. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be right back with our guest, Bobby Nelson. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. Jamming, 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 
fruit again and high to keep you satisfied. Love I now exist is the love I can't resist, so stand by my side. CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And Ben and I are back with our excellent guest, Bobby Nelson, having a terrific discussion tonight about uh, ghost hunting versus skepticism. Uh, Bobby was a ghost hunter turned skeptic, and uh, we're, having, uh, we're getting into some real deep stuff here. And, Bobby, let's talk about proof. Certainly, that's what everybody's looking for. We, we were uh, over the break. We were talking about the committee for the scientific investigation of claims of the paranormal or PSYCOP, Mike Shermer's group, and uh, they said, "Oh, we love his his general position has always been we'd love to uh, find something that's really paranormal, but you can't prove it." Now our argument is, "Well, you're, you're using a, a totally inadequate scientific method. You're trying you're trying to measure a basketball with a straight ruler, and you can't do it. So you just declare the basketball doesn't exist." So. Uh, what, what in your mind constitute would constitute proof of a paranormal experience or the paranormal in general? Well, I don't know if we can consider an experience proof, um, but for you know, it, it, I guess it depends on the realm of of what uh, we're talking about here in the paranormal. Because we, we know it's such a big term. I guess if we're talking about cryptozoology or something like Bigfoot, well, for proof would be a body. Uh, proof would be uh, some something that shows that there's a uh, I mean, even if in North America somebody found the DNA or, or something of a, a North American lowland gorilla that, or something that we didn't know existed, I mean, that could be Bigfoot. I mean, but that's something that we didn't know, but now we know beyond a shadow of a doubt exists. We would have a body. We would have some type of specimen to, to, to prove it with. Uh, the same thing would have to go with, like, little green men from Mars. Or if somebody claims that they have a, a UFO, uh, show us the, 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 the alien technology. Um, with ghosts, I think we have something a little bit more difficult because, as you well know, and I, I know you know that we don't know what really we, we don't know what consciousness is, and there's crazy debates on, on whether it's that uh, you know if it's a product of the brain or is it outside of the brain, the duality. Yeah, um, on locality. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so what I think we would have to do to to prove ghosts, and, and this is something that I, I, I firmly believe is that if ghosts are ever proven real, it's not going to be done in the, in the paranormal field. It's going to be done in, in, in the neurology science, uh, neurosciences. It, it, we're going to figure out, one th- first I think we would have to figure out what consciousness is and does it exist in the brain or does it exist separate from the brain. Then we would have to figure out a way to measure this consciousness. Then we would have to figure out if it does exist outside of the body when the body does die. And we're nowhere even near that yet. Well, some people uh, think but, we are. I don't know. Yeah, but but I mean, I, I, I mean you, you can't get the right answers without asking the right questions. And I've always said, you know, for the true believer, no proof is required. For the unbeliever, no proof is sufficient. 
There are photographs, supposedly, of UFOs. Uh, I myself was involved in a project in England that located long feline hairs from a creature that was not supposed to exist there, and the DNA proof, uh, the DNA uh, uh, results were very interesting. But again, you know, people believe what they want to believe. I don't care if they're scientists. I don't. I mean, scientists are at each other's throats about all sorts of different things. Science oh, yeah, is not. You know, it, it's it's just as much a religion at times as other things. Uh, it's the best we have, perhaps. But nevertheless, it has its its flaws, and and so do scientists. I often cite the um, example of Project Stargate. Uh, which was, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I think if you ever see, of course, Ghostbusters and, uh, who's the character? Xenomorph. He says, uh, you know, the, the interviewer, job interviewer says, oh, do you believe in this, 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 and this? And he says, well, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe in anything you say. It's the same thing. The scientists are the same way. Yeah, not, not every one of them. I mean, some, some are, are, I'm sure, uh, selfless. Uh, saints, you know, working away in lab coats and dingy basements trying to, to well, my help psych, humanity. My psych teacher actually said that because he's a he's a doc he's a doctor. He's got a doctorate in psychology and he's a behaviorist. And he was saying that, oh well, yeah, most doctors usually do it for the money. Like they get paid by a certain group to say this, and they find results that match what this group wants. Yeah. And so th- there well, are there well. are problems w- with the scientific end of it. Also, um, maybe this is because um, Ben's mom is a paralegal, but I happen to notice that the first thing lawyers look for in a court of law is an eyewitness. And in 40, almost 41 years of, of research in this subject, which I like to think was approached in an honest and above-board manner, I have found eyewitnesses to be very accurate in, the, in describing their experiences. It's simply that various eyewitnesses will describe things in different ways. And it doesn't mean they're describing different things. But people may have, and this, this is what I found anyway. So what say you to all this? I, I have a problem with memory recall. Um, because our brains, our brains, <laughs> our brains aren't tape recorders, and, and a lot of people don't realize that. So I, that's why I've always had a problem with, like, somebody coming to me with a personal experience. Because I've learned through, uh, through my work um, that when somebody thinks they have a ghost or a paranormal happenings in the home, um, what I consider all rationality goes out the window, and everything becomes that ghost. Um, so uh, just a quick example that's non-paranormal related. Um, one thing that somebody would tell you that you will always remember what you were doing and, and what was happening when 9-11 occurred, something that big. Mm. So I did a simple experiment. Uh, I asked four people that I know that were with me when 9-11 happened. Uh, I asked them all to give me a quick paragraph of what was happening. Uh, I wrote down mine first, and I didn't let anybody else see, you know, each other's answers. Um, everybody else had a, a very, very different experience. And one of mine was that, you know, the kid that was, that, that, that was there in the room with us who stood up and told everybody that the buildings had just been, or one of the buildings had just been hit, he claims he wasn't even in the room uh, when it happened. Uh, another person said that we all gathered up in, in a specific classroom, which I don't remember going to that classroom. I remember going to a different classroom. And somebody says we didn't leave the classroom. We stayed in the we stayed in the room, and the teacher told us that it happened. So memory recall it, it, it it's 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 very it's a very difficult thing for me to to rely on. Um, like I said, I, I understand that uh, we we unintentionally embellish on things. Uh, we we unintentionally uh, fill in the gaps, I guess, of things that we don't remember. And, I mean, I don't think people are lying. I think people really are having experiences, and they don't know what to make of them. Um, 
I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> oh no, no. So, well, the the initial question my fault. The initial question was, uh, you know, what constitutes proof. And uh, we were getting into into some of the areas where you know uh, I, I mentioned that eyewitnesses. I happen to trust eyewitnesses. You know, depending on circumstances and who they are, and all of a sudden there may be other things. But I mean, uh, regardless of the question, I mean, you point out some very you make some very important points. Uh, let me get to an email here because I know we're burning up this hour something fierce, and I, I always like to get to at least one email here from a listener, and, and then then we'll continue. Uh, this is uh, from Holly. In Detroit. Oh, you make me read this. Okay, so, hi Bobby. I have enjoyed reading your blog, but I have to agree with Paul and Ben that relying on science, science, science can be just as ignorant as relying on superstition. Well, Bobby agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two questions. First, what kind of personal experience would you have to have to convince you that the paranormal is real, too? Does your skepticism... Well, let's take one question at a oh, time. Okay. And Bobby, in a way, kind of answered that. But go ahead, if you want to answer... Uh, sure, yeah, I'll answer that question. question. Um, see, I'm, uh, I don't like to rely on my own personal experiences because I know how easily the brain can be fooled. Mm. Um, I, I don't... Uh, for instance, I mean, it, it, as, as skeptical as this may sound, I mean, I could see an apparition come down and... My rational, my, my rational brain, uh, I, I would, I would be fighting with that. Did I see a ghost, or was a, a seizure in my frontal lobe? Mm-hmm. Um, um, did I really hear that, or, or do I think I heard that? You, you know what I'm saying? So I, I would have a very difficult time relying on my own personal experience as proof. But people don't realize that people like. Just because I would experience something and that may be proof to me. For instance, if I turned on the ghost box right now and I started having a crystal clear conversation with my dead grandfather and he was telling me things that uh, only I would know, and it was crystal clear, no doubt about it, that would make a believer out of me, but that doesn't make it proof. Well, that's it. Yeah, we're uh, coming up to another um, break here. However, uh, I would point out that perhaps both are true. And, uh, oh, now we have to wrap. So for another break, and uh, we'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with Bobby Nelson. And we'll... uh, Continue our discussion. Stay with us.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOLVE. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we're back with Bobby Nelson, ghost hunter turned skeptic, and we are getting into some real neat stuff tonight and had a great discussion. And unfortunately, we're in our last section, but we wanted to take up the last question asked by Holly in Detroit here. And Ben, if you would be so good. Right. Uh, does your skepticism extend to God as it does with uh, many other skeptics who are atheists as well? Uh, I, I think that's I did a personal that question. question. You don't have to answer that. Um, no, but I did. I think I did answer that question earlier. Did, yes. I, I said I, I, I guess that uh, people could sort of consider a, a bit hypocritical that I'm not an atheist. Um, I, I'm more of a deist than I am of a theist because um, I, I don't know. Because I, I don't like to. Geez, I'm, I'm going to get myself in a bind here. I don't like. No to more than bring, we do. <laughs> I don't like to bring my my belief in God <laughs> into science um, because if we do it that way, I believe that the atheists have a better argument. Um, you know, people will will often ask things such as, uh, "Do you believe in Zeus?" And I have to say, "No, I don't." Do you believe in Thor? No, I don't. Do you believe in Baal? No, I don't. Well, what makes your God? You know, what makes the Christian God uh, uh, a better candidate than than those uh, the early gods that are uh, now dead? Um, but no, I'm not an atheist. You said they were, and I don't, I, I don't have a problem with people believing in ghosts. I and mean, people can believe what they want to believe, but it's when they try to make it sound more scientific than it really is. Yeah, that because there is no scientific. What's that? No, that galls me too. Uh, we we constantly have guests who use the term uh, frequency, you know, and, and vibration, and things that sound scientific, and it's just that, that's what. Yeah, that is one of my biggest pet peeves is that people in the paranormal... Okay, I, have a, I have a silly quote. It's sort of silly, but I, I, I actually mean this. Is the, is people that collect comic books know that they're dorks, and people that you know, collect <laughs> bugs know that they're geeks. People in the paranormal field think they're physicists. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, but it, it's true. It is uh, true. You, like you said, they use words like frequency, those things vibrating at different frequencies, and, and this type of energy, and they use the word energy totally wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, energy, they use energy like it's some, uh, uh, I forget who said it, um, Brian Dunning said that they use it in, in a way where it makes it sound like energy is like this little flowing green ball of light. Uh, I, I often ask, well, what energy, what is spiritual energy? What is spiritual energy? Is it, is it chemical? Is it, do you have to eat it to, to, to have it produce? I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know what they mean, but it's when they, uh, I can admit that belief in God is not scientific, nor do I try to make it scientific, and I understand that atheists really do have the better argument, in my opinion. Um, but well, I, I, when... I have to disagree with you there. I think they're jokes. There really? is no such, I don't believe there's any such thing as an atheist. You know, in other words, see, the whole point of, one of the points of our conversation is you have to intelligently decide what you, not, what you don't believe, just as you must intelligently decide what you do believe. Atheists, right. you know, ask, well, what God don't you believe in? They say, well, you know, they'll either say, well, nothing, and they'll describe some goofy thing that I don't believe in either. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, it just, you, it has to be broadened. And, and we love you, Bobby, but I think you're, you're still thinking a little bit narrowly. You're categorizing and pigeonholing as we are trained to do in the West. Nobody can blame you for it. But I think once mm-hmm. you get beyond that, to talk about 
you know, freedom and in, in, in knowledge. Boy, I don't know. But because we're, we're coming to the end of the show, so there's no time to talk about that. But if I interrupted you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that was that was. That was uh, well, going back to atheists, uh, I sort of believe you. Uh, I sort of agree with you on that. That you that you don't believe in, in such a term, uh, people that because I think if there was a God, and I have to say if because I don't know. I mean, I mean, if anything, everybody should, everybody's pretty much regardless of their belief. They're, we're all pretty much militant agnostics. I, I don't know, and neither do you. Um, but I would think that it would be very ignorant if. Uh, there was some type of miraculous uh, world-renowned miracle uh, that everybody was able to experience, and it was undisputable to still say that there's no such thing as God. Well, if you think with your being rather than just your brain or just your heart, there's it's kind of a revelation. Again, maybe we're fooling ourselves. Maybe you're right. Maybe we're wrong. I don't know. But I think th- th- that that's the step we're trying to take. Ben, I've been monopolizing the conversation here. What, what, what do you have to say about all this? Well... <laughs> Since you basically said everything, I don't know. I had something, but I forgot it. Oh, sorry. Ben is the experiential guy here. I'm the one who does most of the writing, and I put together the scripts, and I write the books and stuff. And Ben is out there in the trenches working with a lot of things that you'd find very interesting. And our whole point of view, as most of our listeners know, is the multiverse. We've rejected spiritualism a long time ago. The theology isn't good enough. Parapsychology isn't good enough, in our opinion. And we've kind of... Uh, approached quantum mechanics, particularly the uh, multiple worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, from the trenches. Now, physicists will some, sometimes roll their eyes, but guys like Fred Allen Wolf have been on the show, and he agrees with us. He said, we've taken it to a logical conclusion to a point. He doesn't agree with everything, but he thinks we're on, a, you know, on, on the right track. So, anyway, I, I, but uh, uh, my whole point is that I think it's the first day of school. We need to be open-minded as you are, as we try to be, and, and that cannot be faulted, I think. So what say you? Where do we go? Um, Where do we go from here? I wish that, I honestly, because I do believe it's very valuable to to investigate these types of claims. I think it's very, very valuable to to continue searching for it, like you said, open-minded. But uh, as uh, Carl Sagan said, uh, and I think it's a brilliant quote, uh, don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out. (laughs) Yes. I you know, I, I do have a quote that there's nothing there's nothing worse than an open-minded believer. You know, there's nothing worse than a closed-minded believer than a uh, closed-minded cynic. I mean, because people that are claim that they're open-minded, uh, they're not really open-minded. They're actually closed-minded because you know, um, as somebody on my show once stated that they know everything that can cause uh, the possibility of an orb. Uh, but during their wedding, they had a, you know, they had a, an orb there, and nobody can tell him differently that that was not his mother. That was definitely his mother. That's the very definition of being closed-minded. Well, in, but in my opinion, it is. Maybe that came from his soul. Maybe, maybe that was something that uh, cannot be defined or limited by. That's what's the problem with this field. They try to come up with all these things to measure something that's immeasurable. It is everything in nothing, man, and nobody can even come up with something to say, oh, well, this is real, this isn't real. Well, how do you know, man? How does anybody know any of this stuff? What I mean, is real? You know? What is death? What is life? What is all this stuff? You know what? I've seen stuff that'll make your skin crawl. I've experienced things that nobody else, well, a few people can't experience it, but you're probably never going to experience it. I can't change your mind. But all I can say is overthinking ruins everything. If you overthink, you miss the whole message, the whole point of all of this. It's what everybody misses. 
They always miss the whole point by overthinking and categorizing and pigeonholing, and no one understands. No one. How can they ever understand if they live like this? How? Well, thank you, Ben. We're, that's we're out of. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time. You can't I'm answer. Extremely but, but sorry about that. No, don't be sorry. That was great. That was, that was great. Uh, yeah, uh, Bobby, tell us about your show on your websites. Yeah, um, my show is Strange Frequencies Radio. Uh, you can listen to it every Sunday from uh, three to six p.m. Eastern time. It's uh, every Sunday. Uh, you can check that out at strangefrequenciesradio.net. And uh, my personal blog is uh, com. Uh, it's just uh, where I keep up with my thoughts on, on what's happening in the paranormal field. Excellent. Bob, you've been a terrific guest. We're definitely going to do this again. Thank you very much for sharing this time with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. Okay, talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. There we are. That was my son talking there. <laughs> okay. If you're serious about paranormal education... Okay. Um, so you can go to intermetu. Dot com, which is the International Metaphysical, U- Metaphysical University. If you're serious about paranormal education, you can go there. It's at www.intermetu.com, I-N-T-E-R-M-E-T-U.com. Okay, we're down to the wire here, so many thanks to our producer, Will Kosnick. See you next Sunday, March 6th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. And uh, Ben and I will welcome back one of our most popular guests, Murray Silver for what's bound to be a lively conversation about the paranormal and politics. We're going to end tonight with a quote uh, from that old goat, Friedrich Nietzsche. If a man have a strong faith, he can indulge in the luxury of skepticism.